Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Anything But Typical podcast. And we've got an anything but typical entrepreneur with a really cool background. And his wife is also an entrepreneur. So that's pretty cool. And they are running separate companies. So we'll get into both of those things. But um, so as the scenario goes on the Anything But Typical podcast, here's the, here's the deal. You and Diana are instead of walking into a hustle house where everybody knows you guys anyway, because they know her as, as the owner of, or one of the owners of hustle house, you're going in and you're doing some reconnaissance at another gym to just see how you can keep elevating yourselves and hustle house from everybody else. So you're going in, but somebody recognizes you in particular, oh, hey, that's Diana's husband from Hustle House. What would you like them to be saying about you is they're talking to somebody and they don't realize that you're within earshot? Love this question, by the way. I, uh, I, always, uh, I always enjoy hearing what people say on anything but typical podcast. But for me, it would be, you know, besides the whole, like, I hope that they're nice and I hope that they're friendly. I hope that someone says about uh, myself and also the other folks from Apkala, they followed through with what they said. They, they, they told me something, they didn't overpromise, and they followed through. They were responsive till the very end and that they've always looked out for me no matter what the situation is. Ooh, that sounds like honoring your commitments to me. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's such an easy thing to do, Gary, but so many, it's amazing. Just so many people can't honor a simple commitment. And that, you know, I think, I think it was maybe one of your posts a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn, but, you know, we talked to, I think it was about selling half yeah. of actually 80% of selling or, or having relationships is just honoring simple commitments. So if, if you could do that, and if, if someone was talking about me, that's what I'd want them to say. He honored his commitments. He followed through with what he said. Well, you saved yourself $20,000 a month. We were paying a, a um, high-priced coach out of Boston. He's very good, out of Martha's Vineyard. And that was one of the biggest ahas I took away which was honoring your commitments. And then if you have to renegotiate a commitment, because something's happened, you just run to it, address it. But like you just save yourself $20,000 because that was one of the big nuggets from this guru. And uh, I mean, you, all this you stuff save is the listeners of anything but typical $20,000 also because you're just well, there you go. It, <laughs> That's right. Ready. That's perfect. That's why I'm here. Podcast <laughs> over. All right. We can wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a lucky strike extra, people are going to get a whole lot more than just the $20,000 honor your commitment um, spiel. So then there's a whole lot more to Aaron's story than what we just talked about there. But that, there's, that gets to the heartbeat, which is really honest and yeah. it's really good. So take us through a little bit more of, of his background. Yeah, yeah, let's let's jump right into this. So Aaron's the managing partner of, uh, at Upcala, which is an IT solutions company. And so before we even dive into your story, I just want to give the listeners a, a quick idea of what that is. So start off for us by explaining what the company does, and we'll obviously go from there. 
Yeah, thanks for the question, Ben. Yeah, so Opcala has been around since mid-2019, and our whole goal, our, our, it's written on the wall of our office, is we want to help IT professionals create efficiency, and we want to be the first call for IT professionals when trying to make an IT buying decision. And we, we talk about IT a lot because that's where we focus, but the best way to look at us is we're an agnostic advisor, consultant, however you want to phrase it, to a, a, a usually a medium-sized enterprise-sized customer who is trying to figure out what's the best IT strategy, but they're paralyzed with the number of options, the number of opinions, the number of, you know, kind of false advertisements on Google. Help them navigate through that challenging landscape in a speedy way, in a convenient way, in an agnostic way so that they can make the best buying decisions. And so, you know, the best way I can describe it, our five core values, which are written on our wall is trust, transparency, agnostic, convenience, and speed. And so if we can deliver those five things for a CIO, a CTO, a director of IT, even a CFO or a COO, we have done our job because we can help them figure out the whole IT buying landscape in a more efficient way than it's been done for years. And so our, our ultimate goal is to disrupt the way that people procure IT and do it in a way where there's no buyer's remorse and they have more of an advisor sitting on their side of the table than selling to them, if you will. So I want to circle back uh, later on to the core values because there's we can go pretty deep on that. But before so, as you're describing that, it it sounds like there's this laser focus on solving a problem, right? So where'd the catalyst come from? What was the catalyst to actually start the company? Yeah. And well, so it's interesting. So there's three, there's three of us who started, there's uh, Bryce, Jim, myself, the three managing partners. And, and then Steve Ermish is our CTO, who's our fourth partner who joined us a little bit later. But the, the catalyst was that IT is helping people enable you know, all these technological things you hear about AI and, and IOT and all the stuff, we can get into that. But when you look at the IT buying process, it's still way back in the stone age. So if you wanted to buy a technology previously, you're contacting what is called a VAR. And that's not, it's kind of a negative term in the IT industry, a value added reseller. They're going to bring in an OEM that they kind of are sponsored by, et cetera, and they're going to pitch you on why their OEM product is the best. So you're going to take a meeting from them, from the OEM, and it's very biased. And the problem was, is that you have to do that. If you want to look at multiple solutions, you have to look at that three, four, five times. So that's one meeting for an intro, a second meeting maybe for a technical demo, a third meeting for a proposal. Maybe there's another meeting in there. That's three to four meetings. And if you want to look at three to four technologies, that's 15, 16, 20, 25 meetings you're taking to figure out something you probably already know what you need. And so what we're trying to do is look at that and say, hey, first off, let's cut the time that it takes to do it. Second, let's look at it agnostically. I don't care if you go with OEM one, two, or three. What I do care about is if you have requirements, let's match those up to which one works the best. And so trying to look at it instead of, like I said, being a salesperson, it's being on their side of the table to say, hey, I love this technology one, but for your budget, even though I love it, like probably not the right fit for you. And really honestly, with conviction, helping them understand why. And so it takes trust to have that conversation. But in the end, 
we don't deal with unhappy customers very often because what we're doing is we're empowering them to make a better decision in an unbiased and agnostic way. Whereas previously it's kind of this whole, I sold to you. I, 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 and maybe you did have the best technology in that previous model, but maybe not. And so our whole thing is let's get the right technology so you can be more efficient. Mm -hmm. So as as you keep going here and, and what you're talking about is you've, you've got the problem you're trying to solve. You have the people that you want to serve, but I want to get to, to your pulse of it all because there are a lot of people out there that have ideas or they've got a problem that they wish were solved. What, what drew you to entrepreneurship? Did you grow up around it? Was there an experience? What made it to where you wanted to, to be running an organization? If I go all the way back, Ben, that's a great question. So my mom was a uh, elementary school and high school librarian growing up. My dad was a CRNA, uh, certified registered nurse anesthetist. Um, neither did anything with business. Um, but growing up, they always said, be the best you can be in whatever you want to be and, I, and whatever you want to do. And so if you're going to go in the medical field, go be a doctor. If you're going to be in the, the legal field, go be a lawyer or whatever. Um, or a partner, I guess. For, for us, or for, for me, I kind of got this interest in business when I was 15. My, my friend who was a groomsman in my wedding, his name is Zach Chapin, he started a lawn care company and asked if I would be a partner in it when I was 15. So when I was 15, we ran in Roanoke, Virginia, we ran all around lawn care, going around and mowing with our parents' lawn equipment, um, trying to get as much you know, money from them as possible to pay for the gas. So it was great when we'd show up and the gas can was filled instead of having to go fill it up. Uh, we ran a company at 15 through the end of high school. Uh, and so that was kind of my intro to entrepreneurship. But um, to your question, you know, I've always kind of dabbled in it on, a, on the side uh, of like what I would say is my real job. So I had um, like a polo shirt company in college where I sold polos just because I thought it was cool. Uh, we, uh, we had a, my wife and I, Diane and I had a product on Amazon just because we, you know, there wasn't one for a spoon rest. So we made a multi spoon rest called the Omni rest still sells today, but random side hustle. We had real estate as a side gig. So we had never fully had like a full-time entrepreneur gig. And so what, what really um, kind of led into this was two things. So Jim Bryce and I had talked about this years before, you know, what if we would love to do this ourselves? Let's, let's do it in a better way. We talked about that. And so it was always kind of like, well, we should do it. But what happened was where I was previously, I saw where, you know, two times, two times in particular, one, a customer RFP where I saw what the customer was deciding between and not one vendor in the room a was like for like. So it's like you looking at, you know, deciding which cereal you're going to have in the morning when you should have three boxes of cereal. They had a box of pasta, a box of cereal, you know, in a, a, a box of ham or something like totally different products they were deciding in an RFP for. So, well, that's a problem. So that was one and, and there, that needs to be fixed. And then the second thing was I was at a company where a customer had come to ask us, you know, hey, can you do this? And we said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We had no business touching it. And so I was sitting there thinking, well, yeah, like I've got to sell this, I guess, because that's what I do for this company. But 
this is not the right fit for this customer. And so those two things led me to go back. And I, Bryce was the one that originally had the idea and said, I went back to him immediately. I said, we got to do this. It's time. Like I've had enough. And so like pretty much that night we formed the sort of the, the corporation behind Opcala. And then Jim came on, you know, very, very shortly after as, as a third partner to like kind of buy into that initial idea. And then, you know, we, we started with not really knowing for sure if it was going to work, but you know, 2019 was a crazy year, but took off, absolutely took off at the end of, of 2019. And then last year, you know, we just like went through the roof. And so really good growth, but that's really the start of it was just, there was a problem that we wanted to fix and we were in the right place, right time to try to fix it. Mm-hmm. So, so you hit on something there that, that I think is really interesting. And that's your timing of all of this. Of so You started mid 19 seven, eight months later, all of a sudden, then you go into the pandemic and things start shutting down. There's uncertainty. Um, what were some of the strategies that you guys used, especially as a new company where you say you went through the roof? What were some of those strategies you were able to use to um, not just weather, but excel in a time like 2020? Yeah. And, and I mean, some of it's luck. Some of it is the right timing. You know, you just kind of said the timing, it's important. You know, I, I think we'll look back one day and say, man, what a crazy year 2020 was. I think we'll all say that regardless of whether you were, were in it or not. I mean, not to, not to mention that big thing that happened called COVID, you know, my wife can talk more about how that affected her, but yeah. for us, there, there's always been like for, since to the 2008 recession, every single year from a financial perspective has been up into the right for pretty much everyone. So, you know, Looking at it in 2018, 2017, 2018, going into when we started in 2019, people trying to reduce IT cost and things like that wasn't really a big push because everyone's just doing so well. And so, you know, the thought of going to the cloud, you kind of heard it as a buzzword, unifying communications. Well, why change anything? We're up and to the right. We don't need to do anything. Well, when COVID hit, all of that changed. You now need to communicate with people who, who live in the middle of nowhere. You know, think about North Carolina in Charlotte. You know, a lot of people live in a place where internet's great, but let's say you live 45 minutes out of Charlotte, you might not have great internet. So how do you communicate with those folks working from home? And how do you, ha- how do you have them work a full eight hour day and be productive? That all changed. The cloud conversation, you know, people were, you know, this is really technical, but people were hosting data centers on-prem and everyone's connecting back through the data center because they worked in that building or nearby building. Now people are not, they're working, you know, 45 minutes away or now what we're seeing with remote work across the country. So why are you having everyone bring, bring your data back to that point? So now this push to the cloud has become a new thing. And so we were poised at the, at the right time to be able to help customers on that cloud journey help them with unifying their communications, helping them with the security that's now the, you know, the buzz in 2021. That's what we do. And so, I mean, I think some of it is we knew it was coming, but part of it was we were there at the right place, right time, and it's a new approach. And so it's given us kind of the entry point in bigger accounts and larger customers than we initially thought because we are so new, but they've been wanting this for years. One question for you, do you, so I, I understand that you're bringing 
three boxes of cereal, not a box of cereal and a ham and whatever else right to the table, which is great. Um, do you also marry techno technical solutions with technical providers if they don't have the infrastructure internally to handle that and wade through that? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it, I don't know what the percentages are, but I would say that ultimately a lot of our conversations end with the technical providers themselves. And so, you know, I think traditional consulting, which there's still very much a need for it, you know, consulting, which, you know, a lot of times is bucketed with staff aug and project work. People will always need that because of what's happening with our, you know, workforce and the gig economy, et cetera. But what we would do, I, I think if you described our type of consulting, it's usually consulting to a solution or technology sort of at the end that's going to solve that problem. Yeah. And, and not always. Sometimes it's just, you know, hey, you've got everything you need. Just tweak these things or you probably do need to hire. And that's, you know, a, per, a person problem, not a technology problem. So but a lot of times, Gary, to your point, it's, hey, there's 50 vendors out there that can do this. There's 10 that can probably meet the requirements and there's five that will be anywhere close to your price range. Let's take a look at maybe three of the ones in the five and let's look at one outside to give you a glimpse of each. And then we work through that with them to figure out, okay, well, if I go this route, what does this mean for me on my other, you know, technologies that may, you know, communicate. And so it's trying to look at it holistically and say, you know, this is the best technology, but it's also the best thing for your organization because of the other implications it has on your network, your security, et cetera. I love that idea. And that, I mean, you really do address an issue where, where my words and simple language is like you're uh, an unbiased concierge. Um, yep, absolutely. And, and that's really a big difference a difference maker between that and, you know, you know, somebody that's uh, representing XYZ company knocking on the door trying to sell you. And as a business owner, you don't know, you know, your industry really well. And you think, well, I've got an IT guy or I've got an outsourced group that, you know, they tell me, but I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, that's not my expertise. I'm good at, you know, this or that. And having somebody that you can trust that has really no skin in the game on this solution versus that solution. I mean, it's, it's uh, the Jeff Warner pair PEO model is what it is, right? Absolutely. And Jeff, it, Jeff's business model and ours is, are very similar, just different industries, but, but yeah, to, to your point, And I think going back to your very first question about what you'd want someone to say about you, at the end of the day, you know, sometimes the customer has a technology that they really are in the best spot for them. And there's nothing out there that they should be going to. And so we may do an analysis and I think that's where it comes back. And that's really where you go back to what we're trying to be different is in, in my previous life as a salesperson, it's, well, yeah, I'm still going to sell them because that's my job. Well, right. it's now saying, hey, look, like we do so many different things. But the last thing I want to do is for you to switch out of a technology that you're in that's correct. So you know what, Mr. Miss Customer, you're in the right technology and you will be at least for the foreseeable future. 
don't do anything. Don't engage us. Don't engage these vendors. You're, you're in the right spot for you. Here's some of the next things you might explore, but you're, 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 you don't need to do anything. And sometimes customers are like, wait, what? You're not going to tell me to buy something? No. Exactly. Or like I had a customer the other night asked me for a number of laptops, which laptops used to be a thing that people, you know, would sell and make a ton of money on. Now with the internet and with like what Amazon can do, he was asking me for something. And I, I went on like our, one of our suppliers websites and looked at it. I went on Amazon. He could go get it for a hundred dollars per laptop, less expensive. And I said, Hey, look, would love to do this on Alcala paper if you wanted, but doesn't make sense. Just go to Amazon. Here's the link. And he wrote back to me and he said, that's what a true partnership is. I didn't even think about that. And I said, go create a business account and here's how you do it. Just simple stuff like that. And so I hope like that person, if that's the person that's talking about me says, you know what, he helped me and he followed through with what he said he was going to do in the beginning. And that's what I hope Opcala does as we grow in any city we're in, any conversation we're in. Those, those folks did the right thing for, for me from a technology perspective or business perspective. So Aaron, you're, you're talking about so much of this with such a clear eyes, right? You've got this clear vision. Um, and I'm interested in how your blend of background experience from sales to mowing lawns as a teenager, um, how, how have you been able to take some of those past experiences and apply it to Alcala? That is a fantastic question and probably one you could do a whole podcast series on, yeah, but yeah, that's right. um, just go for the next 35 minutes on this and then. <laughs> yeah, no. So, well, before, before I was at a previous company doing sales, I actually worked for um, a big four accounting firm doing it audit um, right, out yeah. of college. And so I would say maybe a couple experiences that, you know, that kind of helped us get to where we're at. One is on, on the side hustles and the entrepreneurship and the mowing lawns. I think half, more than half the battle of being an entrepreneur is just getting started and starting to go through the motions. And so I'm sure someone on this podcast before me has said, you know, the best way to approach a situation, like if you're going to eat an elephant, you know, eat it one bite at a time. You can't look at it as this, you know, oh my gosh, I need to start a business. So I'm going to do it. You have to look at it in, in steps. And so I think one of the misses of a lot of uh, aspiring entrepreneurs is that they don't just take the first step. And so I laugh sometimes when I hear people say like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm going to get, you know, that LLC formed and, you know, I'm going to do that one day. Now that I've done it 10 times, like that literally takes five minutes to actually get an LLC formed, but it's just this daunting task out there that you just don't really know what you don't know. And so like, I think doing it with smaller businesses that were not like my primary income made it a little bit more digestible to go try this on my own mm -hmm. um, with partners who I trusted, of course. But the second thing I would say is like when I was at uh, the big four accounting firm and like when I'll tell a funny story, when we were doing the lawn care in, in uh, high school, this talks talk about communication, why it's key. I told one of the guys who was working with us, he was a buddy of mine. I said, yeah, go mow the second, second house on the right. Once you hit the stop sign, he mowed the wrong lawn. <laughs> so trying to explain to the, A, the person we mowed the lawn for that we, why we mowed their lawn and the person we didn't mow the lawn for why we didn't mow their lawn <laughs> at age 15, you know, it's a communication thing, right? And so communication 
to apologize and say, you know, we'll make up for this. We go, we'll come out tomorrow and mow it. Having that communication, communicating with the person we mowed their lawn and in their opinion, maybe messed up because we were 15 with bad equipment, <laughs> explaining to them what we did. And then talking to each other and saying, Hey, next time I say, go mow the lawn on the right, maybe I should give you the address. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why is communication key? And I think that's important, you know, with, with anything we do, you know, and like, I keep, I keep going back to, you know, the core values and what we're trying to do. That communication just rings so true. And I think if we have a simple mission that everyone understands and wants to get behind, then it's so much easier to try to do all the technical things we do because they understand the core mission at, at the end of the day is helping empower, you know, IT people to be efficient. And so I would say like learning from just early mistakes, just getting started doing things. And then I think just um, like when I, I went to Virginia Tech and I, I went to school to, I, I think I had a management major when I started with a focus on entre- entrepreneurship. And I think it was like my first meeting with my counselor and they said, oh, so what business are you going to start? I said, I don't know. I have no clue. And they said, well, why are you in entrepreneurship? I said, I don't know. I thought that's what you do. You go get a degree and then you figure out a business. She said, well, why don't you go get a, a, a specialty? So I chose finance, which clearly, obviously, I'm not doing anything with now. But it's kind of like you. sometimes you want things to happen at times when they're just not going to. And so do what's going to kind of get things moving along and things will happen the way they're supposed to happen at the right time. And so for me, I didn't think I'd be at a big four accounting firm. I didn't think that I would stay there six years and then move into sales from there. But I also didn't think I would be starting a a tech company. If you asked me 10 years ago, coming out of a finance degree. And so it just happened to be, we're in the right place, right time. And along the way, we picked up little nuggets that, Hey, be good to customers. Hey, learn how to have tough conversations. Hey, this is what customers like. This is what they don't like. And so I think, like I said, there's probably hours more you can talk about that, but those things for me personally, I think, hugely helped the success early on, but then also the same with, with Bryce, Jim, Steve, they knew how to have those conversations and they had other pieces of learning and nuggets that they brought that we now, you know, are, it's part of our, you know, our inner workings and our core. How did you go for it to those core values with the three of you? I'm just curious about that process. Yeah. Um, honestly, um, in the beginning, we didn't have them written down. We kept saying them, you know, when, when you start, you're, you know, you, every, every entrepreneur has a story they look back at and say, ah, I remember back when we did it this way and we worked out of a garage and this and that. We all had different approaches. We had different things we said we did. We had different descriptions. Yeah. And it was about, well, Steve joined us about six months after we started. And then that's when we started really taking off. And it was about then when we said, hey, you know, now that we have 30, 40 customers, we might want to have the same approach, even though we thought we did, let's just confirm it. And then, you know, we were talking about hiring, you know, our first account executive at the time. If we hire someone, we need them to see what the approach is written down so that it's easy to follow. And it's not just, oh, well, you know, Jim said this, or Bryce said this, or Aaron said this, 
So that's when we kind of got in the room and said, well, let's write down what, what are we to our customers? What, what do we think we are? And so we, you know, had all kinds of things written on the board and kind of kept coming back to those five core traits. And, and every time we'd make a decision, like, well, should we partner with this person or should we go after this? It was, well, does this match those five core traits? And so we look at that when we're hiring now, we look at that when we're onboarding partners and onboarding customers. And when we're talking about, you know, what we want our brand to be to folks. And so it always comes back to those five things. And so I think, you know, it was just a kind of a simple exercise that just worked itself out over the first six or, you know, eight months of being in existence. So your five are trust, transparency, agnostic. What was the fourth one? And then speed. Trust, transparency, agnostic, convenience, and speed. All right, cool. Did you guys have an outside coach walk you through that? I know you're extremely well-read, you know, and I think we've talked about traction and some of the other frameworks, scaling up, et cetera. Did you guys just hone in on that yourself as an exercise or did you have an outside influence help you? Uh, not to, to brag on you a little bit, but I mean, we were talking a little bit, you, you helped, you know, guide necessarily, not necessarily to those, but you know, you need core, core values. So we, we had talked and, you know, I talked to Jeff Warner, who you mentioned earlier, um, Steve, who's our CTO, he came from, you know, being in these large organizations where, you know, he would talk about the politics, but he had a really good vision when he started in, in, in six months after we did, Hey guys, this is, you know, this is how I look at it. And I kind of credit a lot of that to Steve bringing an approach that was much more formulaic and process driven than we were even planning on doing. And so no on the outside coach thing, I guess, initially, but I'm a member of, uh, you know, Vistage around Charlotte now. And so we talk about this a lot and, you know, just from the books we read and the people we meet, everyone who has done this before always says, you know, you have to come back to these core values because at the end of the day, that's the the DNA of what you are. And so I think no to your question of, of coach, but yes to other people influencing it and guiding those principles. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. I mean, that is a recurring theme. If you listen across a lot of these podcasts that we've done, um, Dana Jacoby, who will be released uh, right before you, um, she went long on that. Um, and, um, and it's funny because it used to be seen as kind of fluffy stuff, but it is foundational stuff because you said it, we hire and fire based on that. We evaluate whether they're a good client fit for us or not based on that. Um, that is not fluffy. <laughs> That's foundational. Um, and I also just want to underscore one other thing before Ben, I know you, you got more questions here, but I'm sure we both have a lot more questions. Communication. <laughs> okay. Oh, what I do. Well, no, I mean, this is really good. You're hitting really solid fundamentals. You know, you recognized early on communication. You can't really communicate enough. Uh, and when you think that, you know, when they start making fun of you because you, you, you keep talking about your core values or whatever, now you're talking about it probably just the, the amount of time, right amount of time. Um, but I think one of the things, and you can talk about, I mean, you had meteoric growth last year, you know, we're doing work with you 
we get to see some of that stuff and it's like, wow, I mean, that's so cool. We love seeing that happen and it has its own challenges too. We want to talk a little bit about that too, because growth requires fuel. <laughs> and so um, you always have to keep adjusting, but I, I would dare say that had you not put some of those key foundational elements and you talked about your fourth partner when he came in that he kind of pushed it even further I don't think you could have enjoyed that kind of meteoric growth without it probably destroying some parts of your lives um, without having those things in place. A hundred percent agree. And I, I think to your point, like we, we experienced a lot of growth last year and I think we would have experienced some of it anyways, but to your point, it would have started to fall off. Either the growth would have fallen off, the quality would have fallen off, or something else would have fallen off. And if, if we didn't establish those as, you know, hey, this is what we really live and die by. I think, and, and this kind of goes back to, you know, in my first ventures of an entrepreneur, we didn't do any of this stuff. Like you said, the fluff, you know, right. it was side business, whatever, but that's what we were, a side business. We were never more than just like another alternative revenue stream. But that's why we were that. We never had really gone in and said, well, what are we? What, what do we want to be? Had we done that, maybe those businesses would have been like this, but we never did it. And so, um, I, I mean, I think like we probably could have been a fine regional player. We probably would have grown a little bit each year, but we would have never had the, the just the absolute success we ended up the year with and continuing to this year without without just forming those ideas and putting them down on paper. And now, you know, I'll give you the tour of the office, but it's, I mean, it's literally written in like, I don't even know what size print it is on the wall. And so you can't miss it. And, you know, it's nice when we're in a meeting and we talk about, you know, Hey, I want to give a shout out to so-and-so last week because they blank. And it always comes back to one of those five core values. Mm -hmm. Hey, Becca took care of this customer in a really quick manner and they thanked us speed. Hey, mm -hmm. I didn't know who to go to and Samantha helped me trust. It always comes back to those five things. And so if we can, you know, if we can make decisions on that, like I said, I think we're poised to do a lot more growth and, and have a lot more success. And the only reason we're doing that is because we can live by those and then help our customers with those. So before we jump into growth, because I think there's a lot to, to dive into there. Uh, one last piece of looking back, um, We've talked about your experience. We've talked about a couple of those things that you you were able to take into it. But if you were to go back two years later now, if you were to be able to go back pre-starting this and give yourself or your team advice, what would that be? What would you be telling yourself? Um, oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, probably stay calm. Uh, I don't know. That's not a very good one. But st stay calm. And just, just take things one thing at a time. Um, we had a little bit of a rocky start. Um, we had some some legal things to deal with with non-competes. Um, you know, at the we have in in Opcala, You know, we have a lot of young children. Um, I have two young children. Jim and Bryce both have a young young child. Steve has two children. We have a we have a lot of children, and so, yeah. you know there were some times where it was something related to Apcala that was causing a fire because, oh my gosh, we forgot that we have to pay sales tax. Oh, who would have thought? <laughs> hmm. 
Well, that's a huge issue. But the other thing is, oh my gosh, daycare is calling and your daughter is having a hard time breathing. That's another thing you have to deal with. So it, it was balancing those things. And it, sometimes you would say, oh my gosh, why is this all happening in, in year one? You just have to take it each, each kind of challenge at a time and each success at a time. And I would have said, just be calm, stay calm and just keep, stay true to what you know you can do. And we've done that pretty well, but I will say that, you know, and I'm the most guilty of it. Sometimes it's easy to panic and it's not good for anyone to panic. And so just, you know, I would say stay calm. Yeah. No, I love that answer. That's great. Um, okay, so now let's pivot. Let's talk about growth and let's let's talk about um, the piece of moving forward and what happened last year, things like that. So was fast, Gary used the word meteoric, was that type of growth the, the strategy? Were you putting everything into that or did that come around for you guys organically? Uh, I would say a little bit of both. It was not expected at the rate we grew. So we, we knew that the idea was good. We knew that it was possible and we knew that eventually it should work, but we didn't realize or really know how quickly it could work. And so in 2019, we started it in really June, but with some of the like legal issues and things like that we were dealing with, it really wasn't till like August, September we started. So in, in 2019, we ended the year with probably, I would say 15 to 20 customers. I don't know exactly. And yep. about 300 K of revenue. Mm -hmm. um, 2020 from having all the conversations we had in 2019 from having a network from starting to get the word out about this is a new way of approaching it and you know referrals from customers and, and you know other folks we went from 300k to 2.4 million last year revenue and almost 150 customers and we're on pace to double that again in 2021 and so it's just been crazy how, you know, we, we go to one customer and, you know, then 10 minutes later, we've got a call in from someone's buddy who said, you know, Hey, I talked to so-and-so they love what you did for them. Can you, can you come out here and do an assessment? And I'm not kidding. I mean, it's been, there's been days where, you know, I, I go to bed at 10 o'clock at night working on some stuff, zero emails to wake up to 10 or 15 emails. And like half of them are, Hey, you know, we ran into this issue last night. Can you, do you have a solution? Can you help us with this? And it's awesome. It's just, I think Gary said it earlier, maybe you said it, Ben, it's growth and it's okay. Well now how do we handle that? Because that's way different than when we, we handled it in 2019 with, you know, a couple people and, and no plan. So, um, I, I mean, for now we're planning for growth like that every year and now trying to figure out how do we do it sustainably, comfortably, uh, best, you know, best solution for best possible for the customers, but then also for, you know, what we want to do and accomplish, how do we do it the right way? And so, you know, I think now it's getting the pieces in place to support it, support our customers, support us. And, you know, I, I think we have kind of the limit. Um, the sky's the limit, really, if, if, if we want to make it, it's just a matter of, you know, revisiting that every year and saying, hey, guys, where do we want to go? by 2025? Where do we want to go by 2030? Um, you know, knowing where we're at in life. So yeah. I want to, I want to go in a little deeper on that because you're hitting um, an important thing that every company that experiences growth has to deal with. And that is, okay, 
and you know, I don't remember who it was that said, you know, what got you here won't won't take you there, whatever, right? And so, you guys, three three guys, three amigos. Hey, let's uh, you know, pull some resources and let's spin the wheel and make it happen. All right. So you do that, then you go pretty dramatic <laughs> next year, and now you're in pretty dramatic again. And so, how did you guys? go from, you know, how did you de delineate roles and responsibilities early to the next phase? Like, okay. And, and then how do you continue to evaluate that and dial it in and um, divide and conquer amongst you? Yeah, it's great question. Um, you guys ask a lot of great questions, so I should stop saying that, but uh, Just honestly, it's uh, a bad question. And then <laughs> Yeah, bad, bad question. Yeah. Uh, honestly, it, it was it, that was actually probably one of the things. If you if you said you know what could you if you could go back and do something a little bit differently, and I think if you asked anyone here, we would all answer this. We wish we would have kind of defined those roles and responsibilities probably earlier than we did. Being a three person partnership and then four adding four later on, it's sometimes tough if you don't really define your roles and responsibilities of you know, how you make a decision. And so, you know, for example, in the beginning, spending, you know, $200 on something was a huge decision for us because you only have so much capital and nothing coming in. Well, now spending $200, I mean, I definitely care about that, but I don't, we don't need to get everyone's approval on that. And so I, you know, I'm sure someone said that before, but it just, it changes as you grow. And so we, we ended up about midway through last year, really saying, Hey, we can't operate like this. It's going to confuse people. It's going to confuse anyone who joins us in the future. Let's define at least loosely, hey, you've got marketing, you've got ops, you've got sales, you've got finance, and let's go with that for now. And then as we've as we brought on a, so we're, we're, I think as of the end of this week, we're nine employees now. Uh, we've actually got pretty defined roles, you know, each person has, you know, something they're responsible for. In our ELT meetings, uh, we talk about, you know, okay, you let's let's bring this up because this kind of falls into the marketing bucket, et cetera. That has made it a lot better for us to get things done in a timely manner. But also, it's been great to help our employees really know who to go to when they need something specific. And so it's tough defining that, especially as a partnership, because, you know, sometimes you're kind of put in a position that you're not necessarily either planning on being in, or you, you know, don't know if you're qualified for it, but you kind of fake it until you make it. And so that was a lot of it. And, and as we grow, I think that's where we're experiencing some of the, they're fun challenges, but they're the new challenges of, okay, well, I've hired, you know, account executives for years. I know how to do that, but how do I hire a customer success person? How do I hire, you know, a back office operations person that's not commission driven, et cetera. Those are new things for us. And so it's, it's trying to tap into other resources we have and saying, Hey, I'm experiencing this. What do you recommend? And trying to listen to others and just get the best possible advice we can. I think that's what we try to do. And it's not perfect, but we're, we're learning as we go. We made some mistakes. We, we also, you know, don't regret those because those are learning lessons for us. Um, you had said, and I'm going to go back about 10 minutes ago, so I apologize, but you had said 
you partners getting together saying, where do we want to be in 2025? Where do we want to be in 2030? Things like that. Um, not everybody that sets out to start a company wants to continue growing infinitely. So what is that vision in your guys' mind as a partner? Is it to get to a certain point and be able to just maintain? Is it to be able to keep growing and expanding? What's, what's that vision in your guys' mind? Yeah, I think it would, what if I, I don't know if everyone would answer the exact same way. And that's part of, of kind of the planning process, but it was in the beginning, Hey, let's just get to sort of a revenue number that we think sustainable because then we could at least kind of breathe and at least it's paying a bill here, here and there at home. It's changed though, because what we realized after, you know, last year and early this year, we are, we're changing the way that some of this, the IT sales processes have been done for years. And so I think at this point, it's not at all, it, it's, we, we're a business, we wanna be profitable, but it's not as much about the money at all. It's about what we're providing to our customers. So I think, you know, we don't have the plan of, hey, in three years, we wanna sell. We want to change the way the IT buying process works. So whether that's two years, 10 years, when we feel that we've changed the, the way that people buy IT for the better, I think is when we'll start to evaluate, well, what's next and what can we do better to help that? And so I, I don't know the answer to that question. And I don't even really, you know, I, I said 2025, I kind of eat my words a little bit. We don't know what we're going to be in 2025. And so we're looking at it saying, okay, hey, at least next year with all this high growth, where do we think we can accomplish these goals? Is it, is it expand to a new market? Is it bring on additional folks in-house to support blank. That's what we're trying to understand for ourselves and then say, hey, at some point, let's just take a heat check, heat check every quarter or every you know half year and say, hey, where are you at personally with this? Are you, are you still loving this? Are you still happy? Do you still believe in the mission? If the answer is no, or you know, things have changed in my personal life, that's when we might reevaluate, you know, what, what's going on. But I think, you know, we're all the three of us are 34 years old. What, what are we going to do if we sell? I mean, sit around and play golf or something like, no, like, so at the end of the day, we want, we have a much bigger mission. And when that mission is accomplished is when we'll start to reevaluate, you know, what we do next. But I, it's a kind of a weird answer, but I think, you know, you want to be successful and stuff, but now with my, you know, with my children, I, I ask myself personally, like, is there a dollar amount or is there something out there that would make me happy necessarily? And I think money certainly makes things easier sometimes, but I think also it's more about the what you did and the how you did it than like what the end result was. And so I try to look back and say, well, why did we do all of this hard work? Why did we work those endless nights and those endless hours? It's to make this process better. And so I hope that's not like too cliche of an answer to, 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 to that question, but I think we constantly reevaluate and we constantly will reevaluate and just see where we're at each year and each, you know, couple of years to say, are we, are we still meeting the goal we set out to do? Yeah. And, and then piggybacking off of that, I want to talk same type concept, but for you as the individual. So as this business continues to grow, roles shift, responsibilities change. A lot of times you get to be more narrow focused What's your vision for what you want to be doing in this company as, as it continues to grow? Um, <clears throat> bad question. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think that's a, a, 
it's a tough question because I think right now I see it as, hey, I want to keep helping us grow to, like I said in the beginning, be the first call for IT professionals, organizations large, medium, small, et cetera. I, I think, you know, my strong suits are, you know, being in front of the customer and understanding the, the business challenge and the, the IT challenge and relating them. So even though I don't necessarily want, want to be in the weeds of every single customer, technically, I still want to have a very strong pulse on what are our customers and what are our businesses we're working with? What are the challenges they're facing? And being that thought leader individually, but also as a company, be the thought leader in that space to say, hey, here's what other folks are looking at. Like, let's connect. So be a connector, a thought leader, an educator, so that people constantly come back and say, hey, I really like what you guys are doing and putting out. Keep doing it because it's really helping us. I think, you know, whether that's constantly working with our customers to understand future challenges, getting a pulse on, you know, maybe problems customers are having with certain vendors and certain technologies, um, understanding like the trends that are out there from like kind of the vendor perspective that they're talking about. Are they real? Um, are they architecture that they're putting out that's not real? And it's just kind of a nice slide and graphic helping people understand that. And so being kind of a source of truth would be sort of our ultimate goal. And um, for me personally is continue to make that process easier and, and just be, have a pulse on our customers. So I can't help myself, but I'm going to do a little exclamation point here again, because you may be 34 years old, but you've got wisdom that is well beyond double your age. And, um, you, you said a couple things here that I think are really important of uh, things that you do, evaluating individually and taking time with your partners. Hey, you know, have things changed? Are you still having fun? Right. And because at least in my experience, when I've seen business owners seriously thinking about getting out of the game, it's because they aren't having fun. 90% of the time, it's because they're not having fun. And usually it's because they've accepted roles and responsibilities because they either didn't see any other options. They didn't, you know, they were limiting their minds to, oh, I don't have any, and there's nobody else to do it. Or they thought, well, this is what an, a CEO is supposed to do. Well, they're supposed to do this or that. And I think you know, you and I've talked about the thrive wither thing, like what makes you come alive and it, what makes you wither. And you have to do a constant evaluation of that, at least on an annual basis, as far as I'm concerned, especially in your in growth mode. And everybody in the company should be doing that. Um, I was talking this a week ago. There's a guy named Steve Wallenhouse, who's a friend of mine on LinkedIn. And he he went into entrepreneurship at age 28 and he's a, he's a few years younger than me. So he's been doing it, you know, 28 years. I think he's 56. And um, he, he, one of his things that he runs, he has a thing called weatherology, but he has the largest radio network in the country on top of like, it's bigger than what Rush Limbaugh had even. Wow. It's massive. And he does all kinds of stuff with AI and this and that. And what's interesting, he said something to me the other night. He said, um, I still do all the selling for the company. I don't outsource it. 
I, because I love doing it. Well, that's the reason to do it Mm -hmm. because you're good at it and you love doing it. Don't outsource it because, well, I'm the CEO and he's got a big company. Well, CEOs don't do that. Well, not necessarily. And not you're anything but typical. So is he, every one of us is anything but typical. So I, I just think you have unlocked and uncovered a very, very important thing that many people overlook. So kudos to you. Well, yeah. And, and I would say to, to, you know, to Steve's point, you know, that's one of the challenges is that as you grow, you, you, you know, what you're supposed to do is blank and blank. Well, if you like doing something that's part of those processes that you're supposed to hire and outsource, like evaluate how you can do that. And so, you know, and, and I, we've been talking about kind of the, the three founders and Steve here, you know, our employees, our account executives, our, our folks that are joining us every day, I would say the same thing for them. You know, you should be having fun. You should feel like the sky's the limit here. If not, like, let's have a conversation to figure out how you go somewhere where it is the limit. And, you know, I, I, obviously we want to keep, you know, our employees happy and we want to keep them around as long as possible. And we want them to be happy with their work, their family. But, if it's not the right fit, like let's, let's figure out how. And so, you know, one, one thing we try to do to get a pulse on that is we, we write down personal and goal, personal goals, financially, professionally, uh, and just like general personal goals. And we try to do it. Hey, what are you, what are you, what are you trying to achieve this quarter this year? Why have you achieved the goals you've written down before? And then, you know, why did you take that goal off your list? And then we also track what books they're reading and, some other things. And so it was actually something my old company did that I thought they did really well, but um, that helps us keep a pulse on, you know, what, what do, what does, you know, Aaron want to do personally? Um, And, and are you doing it? You know, I have people ask me every day, like, Hey, I saw in your Q2 goals, you want to, you know, replace your garage door. Did you do it? Well, (laughs) yeah, you know, I haven't gotten, why are you waiting? You have it on your goals. Exactly. So, you know, I'm scrambling to try to find a contractor in this market because I wrote it down because I don't want to not achieve a goal I wrote down. And so those simple things, if you can do that at all levels, then I think that, you know, you can have a happy culture and culture is talked about so much, but so much is about the personality. It's not about, you know, necessarily like the the ping pong table or this or that, but you can have happy employees. You can also have motivated employees and you can also have a vision for everyone, a company and an organizational vision. But, hey, this is this is Ben's personal vision. This is Gary's personal vision. And this is what he's all about. And we want to embrace that. And so, you know, while say one of our employees wants to go play, you know, a show in front of a thousand people, which I have no desire to do, if that's what a personal goal is for them, then I want to support that and help that person get there. And so how do we do that? I mean, I don't know necessarily the steps, but I'm going to challenge them to say, well, what are you doing to get there? And so that's something we try to do day to day, going back to like how you start, you have to start somewhere and you have to write things down and incrementally achieve, because if you do it, you'll, you'll end up far, far past where you thought you'd be in a lot easier way. That is a great, like you, you just brought it right back to the simplicity thing where you said, you know, basically start, you know, just start, 
do something start and it's funny because if there was a recurring theme with esbeth on Diaz podcast that's another one like yeah. small goals start just start <laughs> just do it i mean nike has a brand called just do it and i don't think there's any three words that can define it any better just do it just do something start wherever i think you can get a lot further just starting than you ever will thinking and talking that's why it's on that license tag back there. <laughs> and I had people that would take pictures as we were going down the highway in our black Land Rover. <laughs> they would take pictures of that just do it because they I had some Nike swooshes on there too. They, they thought, thought you were that, Phil Knight. Yeah, they, they thought that that I must have bit somebody. No, I just believed in the same thing. <laughs> well, I mean, so speaking of of Nike, not to draw any comparisons, but you know, his book, Shoe Dog, I mean, if you ever read that book, highly recommend it. He, he's great to read because he talks about just the different challenges they faced and he didn't know what he was doing along the way. They just did it and they got in the room and they kept going at it and eventually things happened. And, you know, we can look at Amazon, we can look at Apple, we can look at all these big companies that everyone talks about now, but they, you know, yeah, we're, we're all in different industries, but they all did it the same way. It just, it didn't just happen overnight. And I think that's the important thing is, you know, stick true to what you believe in to like, like what your friend Steve said, do what you love doing. If you if you're doing what you love, then, you know, I think it's easy from there. You, you, you'll, you'll experience challenges, but it makes it so much easier if you love what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you've given significantly more than $20,000 worth of worth of value to this. Um, I'll put my Venmo out later. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, any any final thoughts? Anything you want to sign off on for uh, for this round at least um, before we wrap this up? No, I, I appreciate you guys having me. I mean, I love I love everything. Anything but typical stands for. Love listening to the guests each week. I, I also think that um, you know we've talked a lot about entrepreneurship, but I think you know if I could say one thing to anyone who's trying to get into it or you know, hey, what's something that you wish you could go back and tell yourself? Like I said, it's just start, just do, but don't don't worry so much about the end game is as just the steps along the way. Um, and I, I think, you know, whether it's starting a business or just being successful within a company, which is totally awesome, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. It's the same premise. You know, if you're in, if you want to be in a company and you want to be the CEO one day working your way up, start each role at a time, each goal at a time. And it's the same, it's the same process as being an entrepreneur. It's just internally in an organization. And so I would just say, start, you know, love what you do, try to challenge yourself to write down goals and achieve things and good things will happen. It's perfect. What a, what a great uh, sentiment to, uh, to wrap this up. So we'll put links in the show notes to, to your LinkedIn, to the company, things like that, anywhere else that you want people to, uh, to find you. Yeah, um, I, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So, you know, if we're not already LinkedIn buddies, um, we will be so shortly. Um, and then opcala.com is our website. Uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Uh, emails, aaron.bach at opcala.com. Uh, and uh, love connecting with people, any industry, any profession, because it's always helpful to get a perspective. So, you know, we love talking to people and we're happy to help and whatever those folks are doing. Perfect. You're doing a great Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. 
thank you so much. Uh, we're proud of you and we're honored to be your friend and walking alongside you however we can. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Gary. Thank you, Ben.